Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network brought to you as always by ZipRecruiter. You know, it's not smart. Assuming the last time you did a podcast with Zach Lowe, everything was going to be all right with the Celtics. That wasn't smart. You know what else is the smart job sites that overwhelm you? Tons of the wrong resumes. Luckily, a smart way exists at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. They tell you what people have the right skills for your job. They actively invite them to apply. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Meanwhile, let's talk about Skittles. This year's biggest ad won't be on the big game. It'll be live on Broadway on Sunday, February 3rd at the Town Hall Theater in Skittles. Commercial, the Broadway musical. Get lost as Skittles brings a, quote, shameless attempt at experiential marketing to life. Tickets are going fast. Go to Ticketmaster.com and reserve your seats right now. Broadway, the rainbow. Taste the rainbow. We're also brought to you by TheRinger.com, where we have an awesome day right now of content, including a lot of non-sports stuff. Really like flexing our muscles this month. A lot of good stuff on the website. A lot of good stuff on the Ringer Podcast Network as well. NFL, NBA in full swing. The big picture with Sean Fennessy. The rewatchables. We put up another one today, Old School. That is up. Me, Sean Fennessy, and Chris Ryan talking about that and a whole bunch more. Great podcast, great writing. Check it all out at theringer.com. Coming up, my old friend, my Grantland teammate, Zach Lowe. But first, Pearl Jam. All right, here to talk about the 2019 Oscars, Zach Lowe. Zach, uh, I know I know no favorites really emerged for you. Who do you have though? Who's leading the who's your leading contender right now? Uh <laughs> <laughs> how many 2018 movies fa- have you seen? The, the favorite? Is that that's a movie, right? Yeah, that's I saw I saw I saw um give me give me some. I saw Black Panther. That was awesome. Wow. All right. That's that was this a year, 2018 right? movie, yeah. Yeah, that's good. And n- none of the prestige ones, I don't think. I've seen. Mission Impossible Fallout, is that nominated? Or whatever the most recent Mission Impossible was, is that nominated for anything? It won't be nominated for Best Picture, but it should be. It's disappointing. Okay. It's it's really, really good. Now, I, I know, saw look, that. You, you, you're watching basketball. You're on the weird NBA websites. You're on Second Spectrum. You're rerunning pick and rolls of various teams. You don't have time for movies. This is This has become a really goofy NBA season just in the last week since I went on your podcast. I feel like a lot has changed. I don't understand how that's possible since we just, when did we record? Six days ago? Seven? It feels like four Celtics turning points ago. Yeah. I don't want to start with that. It's too cliched. We'll get, we'll, we'll wrap around with them. Let's start with Memphis. You tweeted, you were, you thought, they were at some sort of tipping point for where they want to go. We're, by the way, we're going to do all NBA teams. We're going to do our midseason all NBA teams and talk a couple all-star debates coming up later. But I did want to talk about a couple panic button teams because the trade deadline is weirdly on February 7th, which is not that far away all of a sudden. It's like Love it. three and a half weeks. It's great. It's 11 days before my daughter's birthday, which is all I care about. It's, 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 liberated, it's liberated me from trade deadline prison on her birthday. Yeah, but then you'll probably have some buyout, some Robin Lopez uh, buyout, right? Right at like three in the morning, the day of the birthday. I would say it's going to happen. So, we'll see. Memphis, 
are, is in an especially weird spot. They had some playoff hopes there for a little bit. It fell apart. Gasol just went in the tank over the last month. I'm not, just physically just did not seem like the same guy. And now they really have a chance to be the second worst team in the West, which is what they should want. Boston gets their pick unless it falls in the top eight. Next year, Boston gets their pick unless it falls in the top six. And it eventually goes unprotected. But if I'm Memphis, I just want to finish in the top eight and get another lottery pick this year. Is it time? Is it time to break up Conley and Gasol? What would you do? See, I think Memphis wants the opposite. It'll 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 depend on you know how they do in the next month, but they would rather get this obligation over with and give the Celtics the tenth pick in this draft and roll it over when the protections get even lighter and maybe Gasol leaves, maybe Conley's a year old. Like they, I think Memphis, according to everyone I've talked to, would rather just get it over with now, unless they spiral so badly that it becomes oh we have a chance at a top a top whatever pick. I mean, they'd have to spiral. They'd have to spiral a little bit, a little bit more than they are currently. But I think they want to get it over with now and just give Boston the pick. But yeah, I mean, look, they're nineteen and twenty-four. They're fourteenth in the West already. They don't. They're not going to get to fourteenth in the West. They're there. Their next four games are absolutely brutal. It's like Milwaukee, Boston, Toronto, Pelicans, who are, are surging now that they're healthy and and playing with some urgency. If you're nineteen and twenty-eight. Like it's over. You're done. You're not going to make the playoffs in the West. It's all you're. You're nine games under. You're. You're. You're out. And you. You at least have to pick up the phone and see. Now, maybe you don't want to do it. Maybe you don't do it. No one in the league thinks they're going to do it. But don't you have to see? Like, what can we get? Maybe just put out some feelers. Something. Get. 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 get pick up the phone. I would do it personally. They're, so you said they're nineteen and twenty-four. In the East, every non-playoff team is nineteen and twenty-four or worse. But two, two and maybe three of those teams have not shown that they want to tank at. Orlando's 19 and 24, Detroit's 18 and 24, Washington's 18 and 26, but Beal is playing out of his mind. And that does not seem like a team that's ready to roll over yet for whatever reason. So it's really hard for me to imagine how Memphis doesn't end up in the bottom eight. I don't see a path. You would almost need, you'd need Minnesota to crater. You'd need Sacramento to crater. You would need Anthony Davis to get hurt. You'd need some sort of thing that's out of the loop in the West for that to happen. My thing is just, if you can get off Conley's contract now, because it's clear now he he's, you know, in the 30s. I put him in the trade value in the top 55 because he was playing so well and it seemed like they were going to be a playoff team. But now, if I, for me, if they can put Conley and Gasol together and just start over and really bottom out this year, get the one more lottery pick... They're gonna they, they're gonna give up something good to the Celtics anyway, but yeah, I don't feel like that can control how they think about this. Or do you feel differently? No, I don't. I don't think it should govern, right? I mean, like you, the the, the way that they avoid being in the top eight is playing better. I mean, that's it. That's the only remedy they really have. It's the only thing they can control. They can look at the beginning part of the season when they got off to a hot start and say, okay, we have we have we have hope. But man, I mean, you just I didn't think they were going to be good. And I was surprised at how good they were out of the gate. This is more kind of in line with what I thought this team was, which is Casol and Conley and, and really not much not much else. I mean, Triple J is exciting, but he's a rookie. Um, I love yeah, Triple J. Yeah, you know, I love he's tailor made for me. I love I love him, but you know, and you could you could build Gasol is tough because he's maybe on an expiring. No one really knows what he's going to do with that option, and like the market for centers is not you know robust. Conley. If you were willing to eat one bad contract, you there are some interesting Conley deals you could build. 
if you're it, where you get a pick back, but you eat a a Solomon Hill sized contract or a pick a bad Detroit sized contract, they're like Reggie Jackson. There are some interesting deals you could build. That's all I'm saying. Do you think they would have to eat a deal to trade Conley? To trade Conley and get the kind of asset that they want, yes, I think they would have to eat a deal that is maybe like a year shorter than Conley and half the size. Like you add up like a Solomon Hill plus another expiring to make the money work, plus you get a one good asset. That's like the Kevin Love kind of deal. If this trade deadline would be so much more interesting if Kevin Love were healthy. Like because mm. th- th- that that's the one. I really wish he were healthy because he's got. I think he has a foot injury, right? And yeah. he's just starting to do stuff again, which means. Even if they say he'll return whenever, I think they said February 1 or whatever they said, you know he's not going to be in shape and he's like, he's gonna, it's going to take him a month. Like You can't trade for Kevin Love in, in this season and think we're getting really good peak all-star Kevin Love right away. So Gasol, I remember when I was working on the trade value, he was basically a 20 and 10 guy for the first, I don't know, six weeks of the season and was making threes, which was a new wrinkle, a relatively new wrinkle. And in the last 21 games... He's basically 12.7 points, 7.6 rebounds. He's not making threes anymore. He looks old. And I'm not I'm not sure what kind of trade value he even has as these games keep progressing. He I guess he has a player option at the end of this year or he could lock himself into 24 million whatever it is. It's funny. I was going to ask you about this trade and freaking JE Skeets. Damn that dude. He tweets the exact trade I was going to ask you about. He beat me by like Ooh. an hour today. Maybe it's one I'm, I didn't see it. Maybe it's one I'm. I've been I've been spending a lot of fake trade time lately. This is my favorite in a while. It's Gasol and Conley to Dallas for the DeAndre expiring, the Wesley Matthews expiring, and Dennis Smith Jr. And basically Dallas saying we'll we'll take those contracts off your hands. And if you're Memphis, neither of them are on the books next year. You can put DSJ, who I I have. Mixed, I'm not a huge fan of, but I think some teams are. He's at least an asset that they could flip if they wanted. And then you're just starting over next year. You have really no major contracts except for the Chandler Parsons, Parsons uh, disaster. It's a get-out-of-jail-free card for them if they just want to get out of those deals. Um, would you think about that if you were Memphis? Why does that make sense for Dallas is, is to, to me, but the more pressing. I mean, I... I, I it's it's a it's an interesting trade. It's just a lot of money for Dallas to take on. I mean, you're becoming you're becoming the Grizzlies plus Luca. Mm. But but are you are you getting anywhere with that team? And Harrison Barnes. And Harrison Barnes, who's on expiring too. So um, here's why I wouldn't do it because of the way Gasol's been playing the last five weeks. And I, you're imprisoned by that option. Like if he opts in, that means he's had a really bad finish to the season or continues playing like this and he's just on your books. And if he opts out, then well, then he opts out and you have to make a decision already. So plan B for the same trade, just DeAndre for Gasol. It's just a flip. I don't see Memphis. That's, that's selling too low for Memphis. I just think Mark means so much to their team and their franchise. I just don't see them. That's a salary dump, basically. And so, I just don't, I don't see it. All right, so what if Portland says Evan Turner and Zach Collins for Gasol will do that right now? You've talked us into it. Don't see it. I think Nur- Nurkic has been better than Gasol for the last six he years. Has. I think I think Portland just says we, we have a really good center. Nurkic is on a bargain deal. It's four years, 48, and the last year is like partially guaranteed. I think you just – if Portland is going to make a play – and I'm ruining all my trade columns that are coming out the next month, but I don't care. Um, I think I think Portland is going to be aggressive, particularly like if you look at the way Aminu 
Minu's slumping. Harkless is always in and out of the lineup. Um, I think Memphis is going to be aggressive trying to find help, but I don't think it's at center. So, or, part, sorry, Portland, Portland. I think Nurkic might be uh, at least honorable mention for trade value because the right. way he's been playing. I uh, does him does him does him saying I don't care what Iman Shumpert says because he's going to be retired next year. Does that great. help his trade value? I think it helps his trade value. It was the best dig of 2019. It was a good one. I guess for Gasol, there might not be a trade team because I went through it. It's like, oh, there's somebody. But, you know, most teams have a center they either like or kind of like, or they don't really have the contract to flip for them, or they just don't want to spend $24 million to bring some big lumbering can I, dude. Can I, give you, can I give you mine? I'm going to, I'm spoiling my column. I don't care. I don't care. Let's just, let's throw caution to the wind. Can what I give it? you one? I would love it. I, I don't think they do this either, but I've long been interested in the idea of, um, Gasol for Andre Drum- Andre Drummond. Oh wow! So Detroit gets off Drummond's contract, which they've been trying to do off and on for like two years, and Memphis can kind of sell that as like, well, maybe change of scenery. He's still pretty young. He can lob, catch lobs, and do this and that, and like you know, it's something. I don't know. It's just interesting to me. Kind of like that one. I don't think Memphis does it because I th- I bet they view Drummond as almost a negative asset, but um. Yeah, again, as you're saying, it, it's not like they're going to get two first-round picks and a good young player for Marcus Hall. It's just not going to happen. Well, what what do you think they see with Triple J? Do you think they see him as a five or somebody who can play next to a center and he'd be more successful that way? I think the value of him is both. Um, you know, who depending on who the other guy is. Uh, he, to me, he's a little more five-ish. But as he extends his range a little bit, I think he's going to be pretty malleable in like a, you know, to use a cliche, sort of an Al Horford kind of way where, you know, if he's younger, as long as he's young and athletic, he can defend a lot of fours just fine. I like him as a five if my goal is to eventually win the title. Because, I think that's fair. Because uh, he's basically everything you'd want. He's already hitting threes at a ridiculous rate for a 19-year-old. Who's your favorite, out of curiosity, out of uh, DeAndre Ayton, Wendell Carter, and, and Triple J? Well, uh, right now it's Triple J. That's um, how I feel too. I do like Aiton more than most people do. Um, I think he's made tangible progress already defensively this season from like a biz- like completely clueless to beginning to get a clue, but that's still progress. And Wendell Carter lately looks overwhelmed by his uh, responsibility on the Bull- the Bulls leadership council. Looks like it's really <laughs> it looks like it's really getting to him. <laughs> <laughs> they they extended their coach the day after they uh, lost by thirty seven. Did the leadership council have to pass that? that I think extent? they did. I think I think by at least sixty. I think it should be for coach extensions. I think it should be sixty percent, not just a simple majority. I think it should be sixty percent of the leadership council. Is Jerry Reinsdorf like trapped under something? What's he doing? <laughs> <laughs> Is he in the Bahamas like with weighted ankle bracelets in the Who in the sand be? somewhere? There was. I think it was Ricky O'Donnell at SB Nation uh, who made a great joke about he was somewhere clutching his autographed Paul Canerco bat. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was pretty good. Yeah, do you think he re- he remembered that he owns the Bulls? I just don't understand how they haven't gotten rid of one of these two front office guys who have put them in this mess now for really the whole decade. Although it, the one thing that maybe they get a little credit for is is getting out of Tibbs as the league was changing. I, I still defend Tibbs as a coach. I just feel like the league kind of shifted on him a little bit. And the stuff that he was good at, really 2004 would have been the all-time Tibbs wheelhouse year, right? 
when they were these 72 to 68 playoff games. That's that's where Tibbs Tibbs needs to go back in a time machine and go back 15 years. It, it could that could be the case. And we get the Jimmy Bowl tonight. Are you gonna watch the Jimmy Bowl, Minnesota Philly? I am because Wiggins, Wiggins, I could see Wiggins having, we talked about Wiggins last week. I, I know see, your, your growing fascination with Wiggins <laughs> is starting to worry me. I'm starting to get a little, I'm starting to get a little worried. I didn't expect him to come up again in this, in this one. I just could see him going for like 49 tonight. And, uh, you know, Towns, who I still have not sorted out my feelings on, but, you know, is a guy who can put up 30 points and 27 rebounds in some random game one night. And how many guys in the league can actually do that? Like five? So, yeah, Town, Towns is awesome. You know, maybe he just needed to get away from Jimmy Butler. Uh, the other trade I have for you. Ooh. By the way, oh, one more thing with Conley. I j- I'm just throwing this out. Indiana's got a bunch of expiring contracts. They're not totally happy with their point guards, and Conley's from Indiana. And I don't know if there's something there. Now, that I like. I don't see Indiana doing that just because of the age timetable of the rest of their team. But that's that. That's interesting. That's not that's Indiana is really good, and they are somewhat worried. I think about whether they're a better regular season team than a playoff team. Whether they need a little a little more juice somewhere. That's interesting. It's an interesting one. They have eighteen million dollars in expiring point guard contracts. Darren Collison and Corey Joseph. They also have Tyreek Evans for one year, twelve point four, and they have Bogdanovich for ten point five expiring, and they have. Thad Young for 13.8 expiring. So they're equipped to make any kind of trade. And if you're the Pacers, see that I feel like teams should think this way more often. They're they're saving their cap space for guys that are never coming there. I just don't see a marquee free agent being like, you know where well, I'm going? We, Indiana. So why not why not trade for somebody who has a couple years left on his contract who's either an all-star or borderline all-star? We talked about this on the the low post podcast last week. Um I think with with regard to the Jazz, for some reason, mm. um, but that's another I, I, good example, though. I totally agree, and I said it last week. Like, I actually think one of these te- not one of these two teams that we just mentioned. I think a team that would otherwise have a lot of cap space is going to make this kind of trade, where they identify a player on a two or three with two or three years left on his deal that his team, for whatever reason, doesn't want, but it's still pretty good, and take a shot at saying that guy fits. That guy fits in our system. Like, a, like I mean, I, I guess the Jay Crowder deal for Utah was kind of like that. But, like, I, I even on a bigger scale, I could see a team doing that and just saying, look, we're not going to get who we want free agency. Let's just take a shot on somebody. So you think Drummond is somebody like that, too? I wouldn't want Drummond. Um, I'm out on him. You don't think Drummond. he's a take-a-shot-at guy? I wouldn't take a shot at him. I wouldn't either. I'm out on all expensive centers who can't shoot free throws and you kind of have to accommodate your team to make whatever work with them. Did you see um, uh, uh, Pistons Kings the other day? Yeah, I did actually. So so can I, I, I'm, I got a little fired up about that game. That was the game where uh, they let Blake stay in LA because it was between the Lakers and the Clippers games for Detroit, I think, yeah. right? So, so if, you're, if you're Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin's out. For whatever reason, he's out. He's not even with the team. He's out. You're now the max player star of the Detroit Pistons, who are a crappy borderline playoff team, who are dying to make the playoffs. Dying. They would they would release Jack Ken Cook's balloons from the ceiling in Detroit. The Lakers as a Lakers reference. If they <laughs> got the eighth, if they got the eighth seed. Yeah. Um, you're at Sacramento, which is a winnable game. You're not the favorite in that game. But that's a winnable road game. If you are if you are a max player in the NBA, even if you can't post up 
You can't shoot jump shots. If you're Andre Drummond, max player, you come out in that game, you're like, I'm getting 20 rebounds. I'm getting 20 rebounds, and nobody is getting to the rim in this game. I'm going to run the floor like all hell, and I'm going to at least like go for 18 and 25 and do everything I can to win this game by myself or like lift my team up. He completely no-showed the game. Totally no-showed. I think he had like 11 and 8, got run off the floor by Willie Cauley-Stein, got run off the floor by Harry Giles, got run off the floor by their whole team. And if you watch that, that was like, that was the game where Kennard went off on the bench. Like Kennard was mouthing off to the coaches on the bench. Luke Kennard. That was like an like one of the lowest moments for a pretty low franchise. And it was like, it, that is the distillation of why I do not want Andre Drummond on my team. That's just, just for, for the contract he's making now. You, he no-showed a game where like a real max player comes out and is like, I'm getting 20 and 20. I got very angry about that game. Jesus, that was a real rant. I, I hope Andre Drummond do, heard do, it. Do you not agree? No, it's it's look. I, I think sometimes if you're an expensive player, it's your responsibility to show up on a night when your team needs you. Get it, me twenty rebounds. Like you're not going. He's not going to become a Olajuwon and get me thirty and start making jump hooks and fadeaways. But do what you do. Go out and get me twenty rebounds and do not let Willie Cauley Stein run you off the floor. I, That's this all. Is, this is my issue with Kyrie. Actually, let's take a break because I have a whole Kyrie rant in me. Let's take a break to talk about the New York Times crossword. If you're listening to this podcast, you've already figured out smart ways to spend your time. Here's another one. The New York Times crossword app. The crossword app is a fun, clever way to stay sharp. Every day, a new puzzle, a new opportunity to challenge yourself and play. And now with the mini crossword, you can squeeze in a game in just a couple minutes. Each mini puzzle is stimulating, quick, and more important, fun. Play by yourself or challenge your friends. Then post your best times to share the satisfaction that comes from solving Whenever you have some downtime, discover wordplay every day. It is time well spent. I have been an up and down crossword guy doing these uh, reads for them. I started messing around with them again. I get super competitive, Kyle. I shouldn't. I shouldn't it's do maddening. it. It's I can't. Maddening. I'm. I'm competitive. I get annoyed. There's the one word I can't get. You'll know what I mean if you download the New York Times crossword at cross, crossword app. <laughs> <laughs> at newyorktimes.com slash mini. That is the New York Times crossword app at newyorktimes.com slash mini. All right, so Kyrie, who does a lot of, I, I, I had him on a podcast. I really liked him. I think he cares about winning. I think his heart's in the right place. Does a lot of talking about leadership and pointing fingers at different people and the responsibilities that everybody has and all this stuff. And yet it doesn't seem like he knows how to be a leader because I just look at the ebb and flow of this season in the Celtics team and, you know, Miami Thursday night, they're coming off the best game they've played the whole year against the Pacers. They kill the Pacers at home. Things are going great. All the, everything is set up for them to suck the following night on TNT against Miami, a team that they've always had trouble with, right? If you're just looking at the schedule, you're like, ah, oh, they're going to be in trouble that game. To me, that's a franchise player game. That is a game where in the first half, Kyrie senses, and this one could go sideways on us. I'm going to establish the tone early. I'm one of the best eight offensive players in the league. I'm going to I'm gonna put up 22 in the first half. I want to make sure this game doesn't get away from us. Nothing. And he, he ended up having a pretty good game, but it was, it was the same thing as always with him where he waits to get involved until they're down 15. The team's whatever. It's it, it's a mess the whole game. Morris and Brown get in the shoving match. Two days later, the play breaks down on the last play. 
Kyrie is yelling at Brad Stevens before they even go on the court. He completely sells out where the play goes on on court with like he does a whole throws his hand thing. And then he yells at Gordon Hayward on his way out. Like he's showing up basically multiple guys on the team. And then he's pointing the fingers at the young guys after the game. And it's like, this isn't how to lead people. You're not leading people correctly. If you're a real leader, none of this stuff is ever public. None of the passive aggressive Twitter shit that LeBron does. He, every Everything you're supposed to do as a leader is underground, behind the scenes. Nobody knows about it or sees it. That's how you lead. Doesn't seem like he knows how to do this. What's your take just watching from afar? So, so two things. Number one, the Orlando play. You know, if there were four or five seconds left, I would I would understand Kyrie's point more than I do of throw me throw Al the ball and I'm gonna cut from half court and get a good shot off. I think there was two point one, right? Was two point one? Yeah, like two point seven, I think. Two point seven? Yeah. That's not a lot of time. And I don't mind the decision there to go to Tatum for a mid range jumper on the baseline. If that shot goes in, which it almost did. Kyrie looks like a fool, and people are writing a story about how Hayward, Hayward made the right decision in the yeah, moment because he um, was gesturing before Tatum even shot the ball. So I don't I, that I actually kind of sympathize more with Hayward than Kyrie. I don't mind that decision by Hayward at all. I think the the it, it's it, that getting a good shot inbounding to Horford and waiting for the handoff there is more complicated. Um, I when I had Jackie on my pod about a month ago when she wrote her big Jalen Brown feature, I said I, I asked her. I mean, she's around the team more than I am. I, I asked her, um, "Do you, this is going to sound stupid, Jackie? But do you think anyone is going to get tired of hearing Kyrie say after every fourth game that he's won a championship and he made a shot in big a big shot in Game Seven and he understands what it is to be in in big moments?" And I said that knowing. Like, dude, he did. All that's true. The guy has been to all the four finals. He has won a championship. He has made one of the most iconic, most important shots in the history of the NBA. Like, all credit to him. I would talk about it every day. I just could see Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Gordon Hayward and everyone else on that team being like, okay, man, we get like we got it. We got it. Like, you're we we made game seven last year without you. Um, well, that's what made it funny when he was like, these young guys don't understand what it takes. It's like, I'm pretty sure they do. They were within a minute of making the finals last year. It's not, it's not like this was, you you took over the Orlando Magic and they're 22 and 60. And by the way, if you were a leader, why weren't you at that game? Well, He I, wasn't I, even I, on the bench for game seven. It's like, I, I don't think you can be the, I'm the leader, I've won a title. You've got to back that up all the time. And part of backing it up is like the shit that James Harden's doing in Houston. Where oh it's like, God, I'm ridiculous. not rolling over. I am carrying us. This I am the best player on this team. I kind of thought that's what the Celtics thought they were getting with Kyrie. And he can show flashes of it. And he'll do it for a game. He'll do it for a quarter. He'll do it for a fourth quarter in overtime. But I really think, I think part of being a franchise player is sniffing out those nights when you know your, your team might not have it. And that Miami game on Thursday night is a perfect example. That think- all the signs were there for a shit performance. And he could have just prevented it, and he didn't. I think, um, like, there are a lot of coaches who have had to learn this lesson, right? Like, you can say you can say stuff to players behind closed doors that is pretty harsh. But if you go out in the media and say they were soft or they didn't play hard or whatever, like, they, like, they get mad. They remember you, you, it. You, you can only play that card. I think Mike Malone figured that out in Denver. That's a recent example. You can only play that card in the media, like, twice in a season. Yeah. Without without alienating the players. 
And I think the same logic applies to star players. I mean, you just and, and Kyrie's not saying it with those like he's not. I don't know if he has said the word soft yet. Somebody said soft at some point, but I don't know if it was him. It, like he's not using language that is all that pointed. But I just don't think you can say this often. All the stuff you've done that the other guys in the locker room have not done, even if it's true, even if that is a locker room that needs leadership other than Al Horford, and even if you are a guy that I think probably a lot of the young players are happy to look to for leadership. You've talked before about how the younger generation of NBA players idolizes Kyrie. Yeah. Um, I, I think all that's true. I just think, like, you just got to dial back the frequency with which these comments are public. Well, and and that's a really good point, that last point you made. He carries a lot of weight with these guys because they idolize him. He's one of the best basketball players in the league. And when he says anything, it matters. And I I don't know. I, I think he, by all accounts, was pretty strange in Cleveland. You know, I remember um, somebody who played on the team in the last season told me that there would just be weeks where he would just just was out, out of the loop. Like they didn't know what was going on with him. Just wouldn't, wouldn't talk to anybody. And, you know, I, I don't think he's like a natural leader. I think he's more of a lead by example. He's a little mercurial. Um, he certainly seemed to have issues with LeBron and whether he was the sidekick or whatever. But when he came to Boston, I really bought into the whole Kyrie's an alpha dog. This is a, Kyrie wanted his own team. Kyrie wants to lead. And he goes to Boston. They start with that winning streak right after Hayward gets hurt. And it really seemed like, oh, man, they, they bought in at the perfect time with this guy. He is a leader. I haven't seen it this year. And if this is his idea of leadership, it's not working. And, you know, this team has other problems. And you can see it in that Jackie piece. I listened to that podcast. I read the piece. It was a month ago. It was clearly something was off. And um, the Jalen is part of it, the Rozier part of it. And then uh, and then obviously Hayward just being a shell of himself. Which to, is to, a lot of this is not unpredictable, right? Like Hayward... Hayward taking a long time to get back to being Hayward and not being close is is predictable. The younger guys, the guy, not younger guys, younger. It just feels pejorative to say that the guys who were in bigger than expected roles last year and did well, yeah. being in lesser roles this year and having difficulty with that, all of that is predictable. Which is why, if you had told me the Celtics are twenty five, if you had told me three months ago the Celtics will be twenty five and eighteen with the third or fourth best point differential in the league. Now, if you want to take out the 55-whatever win, 55-point win against the Bulls or whatever the hell it was, um, then say they're the seventh best point differential in the league. I would say that sounds, without any drama, without any finger-pointing and shoving and blah, blah, I would say, you know, that's that's not terrible. Like, I, I can see them having a better second half of the season. They'll be tough in the playoffs and this and that. But the, it's 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 all the noise that is that is troublesome, not the results almost. Um, yeah, it's an unhappy team. It really does seem unhappy. And uh, I I'm, I, I think the th- most surprising thing to me is that from a talent standpoint, they're not just blowing teams out, you know, blowing the door off teams. Like the Nets last night. The Nets are a team that is marginally talented that plays really hard. And the Celtics got, we're down 27 to them. It's it's inexplicable. I know they're missing a couple guys, but it's just like a, that 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 to me is like a cry for help. When you're falling behind by 25, 30 points to teams that just aren't in your class, you know. So here's the other elephant in the room with the Kyrie thing. I don't even think the Celtics know if he's resigning. I think there was some wink wink stuff before the season. I think they're confident he's resigning, but there's certainly no contract. 
it would be illegal to agree to something before the year. What if Kyrie is just decides this sucks? I'd I'd rather go to New York. I think that's in play. I don't I don't feel a hundred percent that he's coming back. And I think the worse this gets, that becomes a storyline. And maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't even mention it. But as you say, I think you I, made just made Well, I just I don't I don't think it's a hundred percent that he signs with them this summer. I really don't. I was thinking about this last night. Um, actually, I, I was going to start texting some people, and then I got distracted. I wonder if the Knicks are. I was. This is what I was thinking. That's all. This is what I was thinking. I, mm. I said. I, I wonder if the people I know within the Knicks are watching this, thinking, "Huh? You know, I know he said that thing at the season ticket holder event, where what he, whatever he said. You know, if they'll have me back, I'm, I'm happy to come back. Essentially, announcing his intention. Yeah, he to said, "I'm, I'm going to be back next year." or Whatever he said, it made it yeah, seem like and, I'm back. And he, and he had told. Danny Ainge and, and the higher-ups a little bit before that event that he was going to say that, I think is what the story was. I know he said that, and there would be very little precedent for someone proclaiming something in that kind of arena and then and then doing something else. But obviously, even the, the, the skeptics at that time said, okay, you know, we're eight months from that moment or whatever we are. Like, we got to wait and see, nine months to whatever it was. Um, you know, I, I, I did think last night, you know, and when, that, when he said that, I do think a lot of teams in the league like Brooklyn – and the Knicks kind of went, ugh, okay, well, I guess that's that's off the table for us. Yeah. Um, or 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 check, maybe something's got to really go wrong now. And I, I thought, I was just thinking to myself last night, I wonder if there's people in the Knicks front office in particular that are looking around saying, oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. I 100% promise you there is. And I think over these next three weeks, deadline's February 7th, how hard the Knicks try to get off the Hardaway contract and the quarterly league contract is going to be a red flag for some of this. So if they're giving away like future first round picks with Hardaway and getting an expiring contract pack or whatever it takes, and it's a deal that it's like, hmm, if it's why a deal- would you be doing that? If it really seems like you're confident you're getting two free agents, that would make me nervous as a yeah. Celtic fan. If it's a deal that signals we are not afraid to trade our 2021 first round pick because we think we're going to be good. That if that's the subtext. Yeah. You know I mean, um, yeah, it's like we'll trade. All right, Dallas, here's Tim Hardaway for Wesley Matthews, but we're also giving you our unprotected 2021 pick. I'd be like, whoa, whoa wait a second. What? Uh, so I don't know. And, and, you know, and then you flip it around. It's like, all right, if you're the Celtics, you you have three weeks left to improve this team. You have four first-round picks, potentially. You have a bunch of young guys. You can mix and match contracts in a lot of interesting ways. Is Kyrie on the table? Are you even thinking that way? Is is Kyrie untradeable right now, I guess, is my question. I think he's untradeable right now. Well, I mean, no one is untradeable, right? There's three guys in the league who are untradeable. I think everything, and, and particularly this team being a disappointment so far, and again, like, Hey, Hayward maybe look may look like a completely different player in six months than he looks now. But this team, looking like they're not as good as Toronto, Milwaukee, obviously the Warriors. If the Warriors start rolling again, um, I think only increases their urgency to keep keep things ready for Anthony Davis. And I, I don't, I, you know, it would be easy to say, well, I don't just trade Kyrie for Anthony Davis because they can't have they can't have both on the roster this season or not allowed to, so they have yeah. to wait till the summer. Blah blah. Everything we just said about all these players love Kyrie, everybody wants to play with Kyrie, points to the fact that like if they think they have a shot at Anthony Davis, I think they need Kyrie to be in play 
for that to for that to be a thing that is appealing to Anthony Davis. So complicated. I wonder what would happen if Doc Rivers called them right now and said, "We'll trade you Shea Gilders Alexander and the Boban and Milos expirings for Kyrie right now." Uh, 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 Shea, what just happened? <laughs> First of all, I thought you were just going to call him the Boban. The but Boban. Then you went out, I thought you were just going to call him the Boban. I was, trying you... to think, I was trying to think, could they turn Kyrie into assets to go make the power play for Anthony Davis right now? Because you can't trade for Davis until July. I don't know. I'm just thinking loud. I don't think I don't think I've adequately been able to explain how upset I am about the Celtics thing. Yeah, that one flummoxed me. I just got flummoxed for a second there. Well, the, yeah, moment you, the moment you said the Boban, the Boban. I, I started I said to get the confused. Boban Milos expiring contracts. I know. I know there was a, did you see Boban riding around on the RV last night? No. I think it was I think it was last night. I don't know. I was watching the Clippers Pelicans game this morning and and on one of the commercial breaks they when they came back from commercial there was a shot of Boban riding around the bowels of the Clippers arena on an RV where Jesus. it looked like it looked like a children's RV cuz Boban was on it but it was a as Ralph Lawler clarified a regular sized um RV. Let's talk hard and really quick. He's up to <laughs> last time on your podcast, which was nine weeks ago, but actually it was six days ago. I talked about the 33 point club. He's now at 34.8. It's insane. Which the 35 point club is Wilt five times, Jordan, Rick Barry, Kobe Bryant. Has not happened since 2006. I don't even think you said this on my pod. I think you said this on with Joe House the next day because I listened to that one. Anyway, we're getting into podcast minutiae. Oh, it. it you're right. I did, I did. We didn't talk about this. Yeah. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. I, I love you equally. Um, 2019 Harden compared to 2006 Kobe compared to 1988 Jordan. It's really funny. So these are like the three great shooting guard performances just statistically of the last 30 years, right? Jordan, 35 a game, didn't shoot threes. Took 0.6, three-point three field goals a game, made 13% of them. Um, but still was able to get to 35 because he shot 54%, 24 field goals a game, 10 and a half free throws. Kobe now, 06, people are starting to take threes more, 35 a game for him, 27 field goal attempts, 10 free throw attempts, 6.5 threes. And now you have Harden, 35, only 23 field goal attempts, which is the lowest of all three of those guys, 11 free throw attempts, 12.8 three-point three field goal attempts. So that's basically the story of the league over the course of 30 years through three guys. It's amazing. And Harden now has a chance. I remember you and I on a podcast when I was at Grantland, we were talking about how Harden was in the... He, he, there was one year where Harden had a chance to have like... 800 free throws and 800 three-point attempts. Or it was it was like the 800-600 club. Or there's some club. And I was like, wow, imagine if he took eight threes a game and 10 free throws. I forget what the what the benchmarks were. Now he's creating <laughs> <laughs> so 11.1 free throw attempts and 12.8 three-point field goals. There's a chance. There's a chance he could have 900 free throw attempts. And like 1,100 three-point field goal attempts. I was going to say, he should step up the free throws and try and go for 1,000 and 1,000. That would be cooler. I mean, uh, the 1,000, 1,000 club, I'm positive has never happened. I don't even think the 500, 500 <laughs> club has happened. But the the stuff he's doing is out of control. And now, now there's been, this week he knew it would start, is this sustainable? Can he keep this up? 
if you're the Rockets, is it worth it to do this? I've gone the other way. I, I feel like this is now becoming one of the most iconic statistical seasons we've had. Like this is his version of 62 Wilt, of 2006 Kobe, of, I, I forget which bird season was the great stat season, but everybody has their one season. This is his season. I kind of want him to go for it. What do you want? First of all, if you look at his basketball reference page, the number of the the, the sheer number of numbers that are in bold, like yeah. bold is when you lead the league yeah. in particular. It's it's like half the thing is in bold. He's led the league in free throws five years in a row. Yeah. Um, I watched who'd they play last? I don't even remember. It doesn't even matter. Grizzlies, Rockets, Grizzlies. I think I watched it night. too, and I can't. I also can't and, remember who they played. And I'm watching Grizzlies. it in the first half, and I'm like, oh, Harden's having a good game. You know, yeah, it's a pretty close game. Oh, wow. Just made a step back three. Rockets just went up by two. That's okay. 36-34. And then like it was like 40-38. to 38 And Do- and, and uh, who Matt Bullard on the color commentary for Houston said something like, that's that's 32 now for Harden yeah. with four minutes to go in the first half. I was like, he has 32 points? I thought he had like 18. He had 30. Like I was watching the whole game. I had no idea he had 32 points already. It was crazy. He's going to have a quiet 60 one day. Like well, it's 54 it, for James Harden. What? That I couldn't believe 22. it. It yeah. was obscene. It was it was like obscene. Well, who would have thought Austin Rivers was the best trade of the decade? Replacing have, the Harden trade. The lineups they are running out there. And CP's, CP, Gordon, and Capella are obviously three of their four best players. They're all hurt. I mean, so it's understandable. But the lineups they're running out there, I mean, it's like a joke. These guys are a two-way guy here, a former two-way guy there. Austin Rivers has been on 19 teams in the last four years. And like, Nene... The corpse of Nene, Marquise Chris plays for two minutes, airballs a three by four feet and gets pulled out of the game. Hartenstein, Hartenstein gets pulled out of the game a bit. It's like they're playing these nobodies. I, if he can keep this up, the, the problem is he's going to, again, when they if and when they lose in the playoffs and he has three bad games in a row, it's everyone's going to say, well, he just wore himself out in, in January. I don't think Austin Rivers is a nobody. To me, he's a playoff-proven valuable player. No, I don't. Like, and, but I've always been I'm like I'm on Austin Rivers Island. I I've, no, I've it. always been there with you. I've said yeah. I've said before, if his name were Austin Smith, people would say, "Oh, he's a decent rotation guard." I think he's a he's a fine NBA player. But like, if he's in some lineups, like easily the second best player. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, this is he's kind of found his calling playing with Harden because he doesn't have to have the ball that much, and he kind of knows what to do with that. So Harden's usage rate is creeping toward forty, which I enjoy. The only one who ever broke 40 was our man Russ in 2017 with the 41.65 usage rate. 39.9 right now for Harden. Yeah. So it's up there. Kobe Kobe was was third with that. I think this keeps going. And I think he can get... I was trying to do the math. So he's like... uh, What's he? Like 42 a game or something for the last 17? Something like that? Yeah. Since CP got hurt, he's over 40. Whatever that is. All right, so we're halfway through the season. He's at 35. Is it conceivable he goes for 40 a game the rest of the way? It feels conceivable. I was going to say 40 for the season. I thought I was going to say that sounds a little No, that's crazy. But, but if if you just do the math, if he's 34.8 first half of the season, and let's give him 40 for the second half of the season, that puts him at 37.5, which is basically just him and Wilt. Like that's it's insane. It's, what is um, happening? Well, the step back three is the is the shot that changed everything. I mean, much has been written about that and how revolutionary it is, and how how it, both in its simplicity and its audaciousness. It's like it's a shot that just even Curry has never taken them like this. And 
it's in part because I, a Harden Harden's a little taller, so he he doesn't need quite he doesn't need to like bob and weave as much to get it off. And you just think about like, well, what what are you supposed to do? Like if you double team him like at half court, well, someone's going to get a dunk or an open three. And you want to say, well, just press up on him, press up on him. But you can't do that because then he just blows by you and gets to the rim. And so, I mean, you're going to see teams toy with stuff like the Bucks did last week. But it's just like that shot, if he can make that shot 37% of the time and he's doing better than that this year, I just don't really know what he's maybe put like, maybe put Gobert on him and just sort of like run around and have Gobert run around with his arms up in the air and try and scare him or something. I don't know what you're supposed to do. He's certainly a better offensive player than Kobe ever was. For me, it's like him versus Jordan now for shooting guards. Like just like the highest level of whatever they're capable of. And it's just so tough to compare because of the eras. The three points being worth more than two thing. You know, it wasn't even in Jordan's mindset. Jordan's mindset was just to get to the rim or then pull up and take a jump shot. But, you know, if you put the, if you go back 30 years and, the three-point line was as valuable in 1988 as it is now. His The whole way he would have played is different. So it's really hard for me to legislate that. I have, a, I have a hard time dealing with that. I feel like they are neck and neck, though. And Jordan did it for longer and was able to be in the, you know, he was from basically 30 points to 37 points a game for 10 years. But um, what Harden is doing is in the conversation. And I can't, I never thought we would say that about James Harden. I, it's hard for me to believe somebody could win the MVP and then take a leap. But that's what we just, we, that's what we've witnessed. Am I You're almost, It's almost going to be disappointing when they get healthy again. Oh, this is boring. Like the last, last night was like, oh, okay. Their solution to this Capella injury is just Harden is going to take 40 shots if he has to right. see how many or whatever. I mean, score 50. He's going to score 50 points. I mean, that's the, and I, I kind of want to watch that every night now. Now that I've seen it once, I'm like, oh, I'll watch that show again. So the last three and a half seasons, going back the, the 16, 17, 18 seasons, and then half of the season, he's 39 and seven. Oof. 10.5 free throw attempts, 9.6 three-point field goal attempts. So he's almost been 10 and 10 every year. 44, 36, 86. When you're doing that for four years, that's a presidential term. That's a, like the Kobe 2006 thing. And Kobe got there. 2001, Kobe was really good. Um, and the stats backed it up. He had some 30-point seasons. But to just do the four years in a row is pretty nuts. And that's pretty rarefied territory for him. You even see like with Westbrook this year, you know, for whatever reason, Westbrook can't really shoot anymore. And his stats drop, but they're the same age, you know. And Harden's only twenty nine. He was he was younger than I think everybody realized when he went with OKC. He's got a whole other decade of basketball left, you know. I don't know where it's going. I I don't know if he can play better than this, but it'll be interesting to see how long he can sustain the apex and whether, you know, when you're shooting eleven free throws a game, the contact and all that stuff. At some point, he's going to have a dumb injury. He hasn't had that in a while. I was going to say, you look at the underrated thing about him is is the durability is like unbelievable. Yeah. He's led the league in minutes twice. His games played, he's played, he's missed a couple games this year. He missed 10 last year. 81, 82, 81, 73, 78, 62 in the lockout year, 82, 76. He just did, did, carrying the load that he carries over the minutes, over Mike D'Antoni minutes now, it, it's just he's never hurt. He, he seems like almost LeBron level indestructible. It's it's really like he seems you know. like he's in great shape too, and I, I don't. I, I always felt like he was in good shape in the past, but I never looked at him and thought like that guy is at the peak of his powers 
in physical shape. And I don't know what he did in the offseason or what's going on with him, but he just seems, he doesn't seem tired at the end of games. He's also one of the guys that you don't, he's one of the see him up close guys where yeah. it changes how you think about him. Because when you see him up close, I, I sat courtside once at a game, I don't even remember where it was, when Harden, I think it was his first year with the Rockets when he was just, when he people realized, oh, okay. And and he had some drives, like watching him up close, that close for the first time, like he's just way more explosive. Like everyone talks about how he can slow down, his deceleration, his craftiness and blah, blah. But when that guy gets going, he is like straight up explosive going from ground to rim. When he needs to be, when he needs to like close that space fast, seeing it up close in person, he has like a little freight train kind of explosiveness to him. He's just, he's a monster. He's an absolute monster. Yeah, I agree with you. He's... You know, when I did the trade value, I added that Michelin rating where it's like one, two, or three stars for how you have to, whether it's worth it to go see this person in person. I put two for him in the last column because of uh, the, it was more of a penalty for him because I hate the flailing into the defender so much. It's so frustrating a person, but you're right. He should be a three-star guy because the explosiveness, but also the footwork in person really stands out even more to to watch somebody be able to kind of move like a magician five feet backwards to the left. It's like, how did he do that? You spend a lot of time like in, in disbelief. I should mention on YouTube, there's like a 30 minute clip of us talking about the possibility of a hardened trade before it happened. And then 27 minutes right after it happened where we were just appalled and in disbelief. So okay. history will remember us up finally, Zach Lowe. Let's, okay. uh, let's take a break. We're going to talk about the NBA teams. Hey, turn your dream into a reality with Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easier than ever to launch a passion project, whether you're looking to start a new business, showcase your work, publish content, sell products, and more. Squarespace is the tool for you with beautiful templates created by world-class designers and the ability to customize just about anything. With a few clicks, you can easily make a beautiful website yourself. Powerful e-commerce functionality. You can sell anything online. Optimize for mobile right out of the box. Nothing to patch or upgrade ever. Hey, buying domains is simple. You'll get the help you need with Squarespace's 24-7 award-winning customer support. They empower millions of people from designers to lawyers, artists to gamers, even restaurants and gyms to turn great ideas into something real. Here's what you have to do. Head to squarespace.com slash BS for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code BS to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That is squarespace.com slash BS. Offer code BS. And since we're here, if you love True Detective, we are blowing out our coverage of it. You can watch The Flat Circle, which is Jason Concepcion and Chris Ryan on all of our YouTube, Twitter, all everywhere you'd watch a Ringer video, it's on there. And we also run that on the Recapables feed, which has been blown back to life as we are ready for True Detective, Game of Thrones, um, Big Little Lies, and a whole bunch of things going forward. Also, Bachelor Party, if you're a Bachelor fan, Bad Season. Bad season so far. I'm down on this Bachelor season. Julia Littman is picking it apart, like it's the uh, it's like the Thunder defense. Uh, you can hear it every week with her cast of crazies. Right after the show ends on ABC, Bachelor Party goes up, and you can hear that as well on the Ringer Podcast Network. All right, back to Zach. So we're doing midseason All NBA checkpoint. There's one other thing I want to talk about before we go after this. 
which is how do we get to 12 All-Stars in the East? I think it's like a real conversation. Did you, have you tried to get to 12? Oh, yes. It's not easy. Like Pascal Siakam is way more involved than I thought he was going to be yeah, in my thought say, process. If you're all up in Pascal Siakam, then it's not it's not that uh, it's not that hard. Guess my who friend. else was on my list? D'Angelo Russell. I know it's getting a little scary. What he's, the he's, hell? He's he's turned. I don't know if he's turned the corner, but he's turned a corner. There's two spots that are going to shock people, and the people available for those spots range from D'Angelo Russell, Vucevic. Pascal Vooch Siakam. Vooch is a lock. Vooch, oh, you yeah, think he's Vooch in? in? All lock. right. And do we think Siakam's in? No. I mean, I, I'm not saying I'm not a lock. He's he's in. He's in. He's on my to be considered for one of the last one and a half spots. All right. So those one and a half spots are Russell Siakam, JJ Redick, uh, John Collins, who's only played like 27 no, games no, on no, a terrible no, team. No, I'm no. just throwing out dudes: Sabonis, Marcus Morris. Like, I'm telling you, it gets thin really fast. Well, a lot of it comes down to. I don't let's I don't want to get yeah, well, the yeah, right. let's go okay. let's go on yeah. first team yeah are we obeying the rules that we want somebody who at least conceivably is a center or would be a five if I'm no, trying you to have actually to. win a basketball game you have to okay they, they make you list a, a true center uh, on all NBA which if they just keep mixing this up an all-star now you just, it's just front court everyone's front court but at all NBA you gotta have a center so through 41 games, to me, no brainer. It's Jokic as the center. Is there any argument against Jokic? Yeah, a- AD. Oh, you want to put him at center? He's a center. Yeah, that screws me up. <sighs> you Are you sure argue, he's a center? You could argue lately that with Randall starting, that you know Randall will guard some centers, but even even then. I think that was part of the idea when they signed Randall. But like even last night, for instance, they wanted AD on the center all the time and Randall guarding fours, which Randall's not good at, but they want AD on the center because they need his rim protection. So to me, it, to me, the debate is over. Like Cousins is gone. He's a center. He's got to be a center. But yeah, yes. Jokic or Davis, pick your t- pick him. Oh, man. Is it bad if I go with Jokic? No, it's okay. not bad. I'm I, going with I, went, I, went, I went with AD, but um, go with Jokic. Well, you know... I'm the kind of guy that likes to reward winning, Zach Lowe. I'm a kind of I'm a wins and losses kind of guy. I am a my teammates love playing with me kind of guy. I'm a wow. I'm wow. a parts are better just, are not as good as the whole kind of guy. Whatever that I always screw that up. What is it, Kyle? The sum of the parts are better than the whole. That's it. Some of the parts are better than the whole. I'm a sum of the parts guy, Zach. That's who I am. I like, like Jokic. Le- Le- the LeBron level passive aggressive shots being thrown at Anthony Davis right now. Well, you know fit what? Fit in, fit out. Stop trying to fit out. I didn't go to the game last night, the Clipper game, because I had a whole bunch of stuff going on at my house because it was pouring rain and apparently uh, <laughs> my house wasn't prepared for two inches of rain. Whoa, whoa, but, that uh, doesn't yeah. sound good. But, um, but Mike Tullin, who shares the Clipper tickets with me, went and he was like, God, the brow, he was unbelievable. And I was like, the Pelicans aren't bad, right? He's like, no, the Pelicans are good. <laughs> Drew Holiday's good. Julius Randle's good. They don't have bad players. I don't know what... So well, he, basically the same thing that I've been saying. Well, It's not a bad team is my point. Peyton just got back. Miritich has missed a bunch of games. And you you just named three guys. The rest of the guys are not so good. <laughs> <laughs> like Etwan Moore had like a month where he was like, "Oh, Etwan Moore is good." And I don't know where he went, but he's gone. He's not and playing with Marco Yarich and washed up Sam Cassell and whoever the hell else was on the 06 Timberwolves. 
Or maybe I'm just they, saying, they, no, those two weren't on. It was Pelicans. Pelicans four to fifteen or five to fifteen is not is not awesome. That's yeah, all. Yeah, I agree with you. So I, I'm but, but see, I, I think this is a very interesting thing related to All Star, and we're not going to do All Star, but like I I think, you know, um, I thought more than usual this year about oh this team should get this many or this team doesn't deserve this many, and then you look at like there are some teams like the Spurs are winning with depth. The Clippers are winning with depth. Like the Spurs bench is awesome. Yeah, and I th- and they've been destroyed with Aldridge and DeRozan on the floor. And I don't know what that means. Or last time I checked, they were negative with those two guys on the floor. I don't know what that means for their All Star cases. But there are some teams where five to fifteen is winning a lot of games. And I don't know what that does to the All Star case of one and two. But it's interesting to think about. And and conversely, there's the Pelicans who like one and two are whatever winning they're doing is all because of Davis and Holiday basically. And the Celtics anyway. are not winning with their depth. No. No. It's kind of thought the depth would be an advantage, but uh, not really. All right, so you have Davis, I have Jokic. Yes. Who do you have for your two forwards, out of curiosity? Giannis and uh, KD. Giannis and KD? Yeah. All right, so I have Giannis. No, I should stress, this is all, we're at the halfway point. This is tentative. I have not put the level of thought into this that I will when I do the ballot for real. But K, the, the last forward spot came down to, I mean, you could do KD, Kawhi, Paul George, little LeBron, who's missed a whole bunch of games now. I think you got, at this point, he's missed X percent of the season. So I, I just want KD's, Kawhi's missed 10 games, I think. So I just want sort of KD placeholder for now. Wow. What'd you do? I think Giannis is the only one that is in a, an indelible Sharpie. Yeah. Agreed. I put Paul George in, in the other spot. Can you imagine being Paul George? Paul George is having, averaging 27 points a game. Paul playing. George is fucking awesome this year. I, I can't believe how good he is. I, no, and I really enjoy watching him. I, I, I can believe how good he is. He's averaging 27 a game, all defense level. And you're like, okay, so... Um, if KD, Kawhi, Giannis, and LeBron are all healthy and awesome, like there's just no way I can be anything but a third team All NBA. <laughs> right? <laughs> that just sucks to be Paul George. Like he might be on the third team right now. I have him on the third team. I tentatively because I just, those guys are just I just named four of the top seven players in the NBA. I don't. Know, what are you supposed to do? I think Paul George as a two way player has just been more consistent, and I've watched my fair share of Golden State games. And I usually I put I. You almost have to get knocked out of your spot for me with all NBA. But that that OKC team is so weird. And it's a good kind of weird. It's not a bad weird. It's a good weird. But, you know, I, like you, I watched that Spurs game on Thursday night, which was epic. And uh, it's this team that really fights and plays their asses off. And it comes from Westbrook and George and Adams specifically. Those guys just really try hard. And there was a play near the end when they needed to get a steal, basically. And it reminded me of Kawhi and his prime, where Bellinelli had him. Paul George is just like, I'm going to take the ball now. And he just like took it and uh, created a fast break out of it. But athletically, it just seems like he is 100,000% back from that terrible leg injury. And that, now, that leg injury now is kind of a what if for me this decade. Because I didn't think Paul George was ever going to be this good. I knew he was good. I thought he was like kind of a 1B as a star. I didn't know if he was a 1A. But now I wonder if he doesn't have that leg injury, what does his decade look like? Could this have happened three years ago for him? Interesting. I don't know. Interesting. I uh, he's, He sort of is still a 1B. He's like a 1A-B. 
like he'll never handle the we think of 1A as the guy who like handles the ball the most. Yeah. Like that's the alpha dog. The guy who has the ball the most is the alpha dog. And that's never going to be him no matter what team he's like he's not cast for that role. When he was that in Indiana, there was a pretty hard ceiling on that team. But he's like the he's like the A plus version of the 1B. It's like he's a different he's just a different he's like a different thing. Well, he reminds me Paul Pierce I feel like was like that. Yeah, it's a good one. And I think he's this season is having a better year than Paul Pierce ever had. Well, that's what makes KD's decision this summer so fascinating is KD for much of his career has almost been the absolute apex of that. Like he's never been on a team other than maybe, you know, before Russ became Russ where he had the ball the most. Now in crunch time, they would just give him the ball and get out of the way in early Oklahoma City years, most Oklahoma City years, but he's never been like, the guy who runs the most pick and rolls, who controls the offense. He's always sort of been a mix of both of those things. And that's what, you know, there's sort of a curiosity of like, well, what does he look like if you just give him LeBron's role? Like, would he put up 33, 8, and 8? And how good would that team be? And what would it look like? And I think that's that's just an interesting thought exercise. That's all. So I do think in 14, when he won the MVP, we were like 90% there at that. I'm looking yeah, at the stats Yeah, that's the one. The, that's the Slim Reaper year where he just had yeah. the string of like 30-point games in a row and was just like, oh my Westbrook God. Westbrook was hurt. Yeah. So he put up 32, seven, seven plus rebounds, five and a half assists. That was the only time he's ever taken more than 20 shots. A, all right, one of two times. 20.8 shots a game, 9.9 free throw attempts. You know I love free throw attempts, Zach. But, uh, I like to fast forward through free throw attempts. The well, you know, I like them on the, the basketball reference. I like bold. I'm like you. I like the bold, and I like free throw <laughs> attempts. I, so I have Paul George just because of the two way okay. stuff. And I don't, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Like you said, Giannis isn't sharpie. Everything else is sort of TBD on that one. Well, I think these other two guys aren't sharpie for the guards. Harden and well, Curry. obviously, yeah, yeah, that's, that's done. I mean, that's decided already. Yeah, to Harden having his greatest year and Curry 96 percent of his greatest year with the chance of. He might have some 12-game run coming up where he just scores 40 points a game and hits 10 threes a game or something. There's a chance that he might end up having his career year. He's at least circling it. I want to see them come out tonight, by the way, and really try to beat Denver. That's a fun game. I want to see them. Like, I, I hope they're up for this game. Maybe they, maybe they just won't get up for any game in the regular season anymore. But I want to see them come out. Like, they kind of snuck. Did you see that Dallas game? They kind of, like, snuck that one out and screwed around with it. And Steph bailed them out. I want to see them come out. Like, I just hope... I would like to see 10 times a year say, oh this, oh, this team thinks they're the best team in the West? This team thinks they're number one? Oh, we're in Denver. Oh, the altitude. Oh, this and that. Let's come out and kick their ass. Now, that, that, I'm not saying I'm rooting for them. I love them. You know, nobody loves Jokic more than me. Um, I just, But I'd like to see the Warriors come out with like a little bit of a like fire tonight. Like, let's just, let's just remind everyone. That's what I want to see. I don't think I'm going to see it, but that's what I want to see. It would have been a fun game for Boogie Cousins to be in. And I know we're getting close. And I got to I gotta say, I'm surprised. I thought it was going to be a while before we saw him. I was not a believer in the big man coming back. And I had heard some buzz that actually he wasn't going to be ready when they thought he was going to be ready. But then all of a sudden he was practicing and they feel pretty good about it. And he's coming back, I think, next week. But this one, Jokic, just not ideal. Not an ideal matchup for them. I know they can try to get him on the other side. But I'm with you. This is a game that on paper, if both teams are trying should be like a 155 to 150 slugfest. Hopefully we'll get there. Second team. So you have Jokic here, second team. I have Davis. Well, I think the interesting question is, 
if you put Davis on first team or whatever, I, I think Jokic and Embiid is an interesting debate. I would right now pencil Jokic over Embiid. But I think that's an interesting debate. I would too. And I had Embiid as an MVP candidate. I, I just don't love the way that team's been playing. I think Embiid is not the if if you're going to put Jokic over Embiid, part of the reason is Embiid is not as good an offensive player as as maybe the eye test suggests in some ways, or as people think he is. Like he's below 30% from three. I think he's 49% overall. His assist to turnover ratio after an interest, which was his big sort of um uh, blind spot last year or whatever. It started off strong, is now down to one to one again. Like he's just like Jokic. What Jokic is doing offensively, I, it just can't be stressed. It's the, it's the best passing season by a big man. He's averaging more assists than LeBron. Yeah, it's the best probably it, it's ever. It's absolutely insane. A big man has Bill Walton didn't do this. Sabonis in the NBA at least didn't do this. I mean, there's just never been a big man like KG, who was sort of like not even a, he was like more of a KG and less of a traditional big man. Like he never passed, like, like no one did this ever. He's averaging seven and a half assists a game. It's ridiculous. With the Embiid, I like that he's, I like that he's at 10 free throws a game. Yeah. He brought he's that good, up. He's a very good offensive player. I just think Jokic is a, a, is a, oh, I, I think worldly offensive player. Yeah. I don't, I don't, even though Embiid's getting the, uh, you know, he's 27 and 13, but, I don't like that he's not even shooting 50%. How's that possible? Well, if you ask him, he might he might tell you about how he has to be a floor spacer. He doesn't like to do that. He's got to take yeah. some threes, blah, blah. Who are your guards, second team guards? I have uh, – well, let's do the forwards. Okay. So, Durant. And then I got Karai. So you have I'd, LeBron on the third team? Yeah, LeBron's missed three weeks. Like, if if this is just midseason only, and I can only judge of what I've seen and in, in using all the barometers and team success and all that stuff, I don't see how LeBron's on one of the first two teams, which, you know, is now opening the door for LeBron not to be first Stop. team or second. It's oh, opening okay. the door. Okay, okay. I thought you were going to go a step further and say not make an all-NBA team. Um, I have LeBron. Well, he's, and- he might not make one of the top two. I have Paul George on the third team. Kawhi's missed 10 games too, by the way. it's that it's, He hasn't missed, like, LeBron hasn't missed that much more time than Kawhi. It just feels like he has because Kawhi's have been kind of like here and there, back to back here, back to back there. Um, I just, like, I just, as much, I love Paul George. I Like, he's, Kawhi, I just don't think he's as, like, at some point when I'm making the all-NBA decisions, just like, do I feel silly writing LeBron James under third team it's like yeah I feel silly it's silly it's silliness so I don't I can't I can't I just you know if he misses 10 more games we'll talk but right now he's on my second team he's LeBron James that's all I don't need any more defense than that well he's played so he's played 34 games yeah there's a case for it I just like how the other guys have played more and Fine, uh, I don't, like I said it's all pencil right now yeah so guards I had a lot of trouble Really? <laughs> yeah. Who'd you I have? Did, I didn't have trouble until I got the third team, and then it becomes a complete mess. I have uh, Kyrie and Lillard. I did too, and I didn't know if I was being a homer putting Kyrie. No, Kyrie's on the second been outstanding. Team. Now, if you, we talked no, about him earlier, but he's been he's been outstanding. I know the stats are there. Yeah. I just the the leadership slash team success thing, but his teams, Kemba, I guess, had a case, but. His team's just not playing well. 
It's really tough for me to, you're a second team all NBA. Your team's going to go 34 and 48 and you're their best players. And Kemba, since he turned his ankle five, six weeks ago, whenever it was, he, he just hasn't been the same player. So third team, is Towns forward or center? Towns, I think you have to call a center. Okay, I agree. So Embiid as my third team center. Yeah. Which you have as well. Mm -hmm. I have LeBron as one of my third team forwards. Just, just, I hope you felt good saying that sentence. Well, come back. Fix your groin. <laughs> Fix your groin, old man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, God, am I going to really do this? Yes, you are. I know it. I can feel it. You're going to let me do this? Yep. What am I going to do? I don't know. Marcus Morris? <laughs> I spent 13 ball NBA? Yeah, forward. I don't know. You're, you're bra I'm bracing for something. Am I allowed to pick Luca for 13 ball NBA? Absolutely. He's a candidate. Yeah. I just don't know. He's one where if I, like, it almost, like, can I move him to guard? Can, do I have to put him in the front court? He's functionally a point guard. I wonder how they're going to classify him positionally. Simmons, too. Do you think Luca's been one of the 15 best players in the league? No. No. But it's but it's not it's he's in the conversation because when you get down to so I have my forwards. Uh, by the way, I'm not, I the guy I had in there is Griffin. Yeah, I have Blake. Blake yeah. is my other forward. I I have Paul George. So my third team forwards and center are Paul George, Blake, and Embiid. And for me, Luca entered into the guard discussion because I'm under the assumption that if I cajole the league enough, they will let people play around with him positionally because they should. If Simmons can be a call to guard, then so should Luka Doncic and so should LeBron. If we, so who'd I mean, you have for your two third team guards? Well, we haven't said that yet. And I just have a bunch of, uh, I have two names in parentheses and then I just have a bunch of like 17 names next to them because I just don't know and can't make a decision right now. Well, if Luka is eligible at guard, that makes things a lot easier for me. Doesn't necessarily make things easier for me, but he be, he gets in the convert. Like I don't think he's in the conversation for forward. I think Blake has been demonstrably better. But than, Blake than had Luka. a. I've been working on my trade value list for this next month. Blake made a dramatic return. I mean, he, as crazy as this sounds, he's having the best season of his career statistically. I love that he's so mad too, and I mean that yeah. genuinely. I love that he's owning it. He's not trying to pretend like he's bigger than that, like it doesn't mean anything to him. He's being a real person with regard to the Clippers trade. And I, I think like we tend to lionize guys who who act like they're above it all and they're and when really maybe they and maybe they are above it all, like Michael was above it all. But I like when guys are real people and Blake is like Blake's mad. His feelings are hurt. He's mad. He's not gonna go make nice to Steve Ballmer and this and that. Like he's mad. And I like it. I like that he's owning it. Yeah, it's even beyond a feeling's been hurt. Like they just flat out lied to him. And whether that was a smart trade or not is kind of to the side for a second. It was, they did this huge selling pitch that they wanted him to be a Clipper for life and got him to buy into it and then really coldly traded him. I think that was one of the coldest NBA trades ever. See, that doesn't bother me because that's just business. And even the, like the retired jersey thing is dumb. They shouldn't have done that. Um, uh, but I like what what they really all they really need to do is give him the five year max, and I think they they didn't need the pomp and circumstance of it. Uh, I think he would have signed it, and then they could have just done the same trade without the silliness. Um, so it, it didn't bother you that you had they had all these people pitching him Clipper for life. Here's where your jersey's going to be. Blah blah blah. You're no, that, that's what, like I don't. And think then they like had, seven months later, traded him. 
I don't think they had to do that, but I do like I just think like if you want to re-sign the guy, you're going to say things to him, and probably part of you means it and part of you doesn't. They went over the top. I don't think they had to do that. They had the hammer, which was a fifth year at whatever percent of the cap. I don't remember. I think 30% of the cap. Like, they had the hammer. They didn't need to go crazy with it. Um, but, but that's business. Like, that's going to happen all the time in the NBA. It's just like I, my, my only point is, like, I'm, I kind of like that he's – wearing his emotions on his sleeve a little bit. I like it too. And I, it's actually brought out a level of basketball that I wasn't sure was still existed inside him. Yeah. So he's my, he's my, he's my forward along with PG. And then the guards are a total mess. You could, you could make an argument for 12, 12 different guys. Am I wrong to think DeRozan's in here? Yeah. He's on my, he's on my to be considered list. I don't think he should make it, but um, he's on the list. I had a DeRozan Kemba combo, but didn't know that Luca was a possibility. And well, by the way, is Bradley Bradley Beal's a guard or a forward? Did we decide that? He's a guard, and he is one of the two names in parentheses that right now I would it not it's whatever is lighter than pencil, like chalk. I guess chalk is probably worse than pencil. Whatever. I have Beal in parentheses as one of the two guards. Beal's like basically thirty a game now for three weeks, and and one of the things I like about him is he will go toe-to-toe with whoever the other team's superstar is if it's the right kind of game. Yeah, he loves it. Beal is for real. Beal, yeah. Beal is Beal He's is untradeable. Legit. They'd be nuts to consider trading. They're not going to trade him. They just have to figure out what the hell to do with uh, our man John Wall. So so two questions for you. Can I ask you two questions? Yeah. Uh, two sort of uh, uh, lightning rod names here. Yeah. Um, is Russell Westbrook going to average a triple-double and not make an all-NBA team? If the with those shooting percentages, it's very possible. I think so too. He's not. He's not the other name in parentheses for me. Is not Russell Westbrook. I do think though, out of all the guys we were talking about, he has the best chance to go on a hot streak, and by the end of the year, will be second Agreed. or third team. Agreed. Because you know, I forget who I was talking about this with. It wasn't on a podcast. Um, watching that Thursday night game which I watched closely because I really wanted to get a, try to get a feel for what the hell was going on with OKC. Westbrook's playing really hard, and athletically, he seems like the same Westbrook to me. It's just like he's lost the ability to shoot consistently, but I don't feel like he's slipped physically or athletically at all. And if anything, like defensively, it seems like he's trying harder than he ever has, and he's getting more steals and all that stuff. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if his offense came around. But... I I love this pass first version of him. When he's driving driving to the uh he still has the athleticism to get by whoever he wants. And then he is actually looking for his teammates now. And I, I like watching him. I like watching this version of him. He just can't shoot. So I, I thought a lot about him for all star purposes because by the numbers, other than the triple double thing, which like I just can't I can't overstate how little I care about the triple double thing. I just don't care. Well, um, we we've both you and yeah, I are in agreement. I, I I don't care. Um, by every other number but that, he is a borderline all star case. And I, but you just, it's it's funny. You just feel him in a way that you don't feel Mike Conley and Drew Holiday and Demar Derozan on every single possession. Just mm. like you just the you, he is just a force that you have to deal with. Every single time the Thunder have the ball and in a way that is a little bit scary. Like, I think coaches worry about him more than they do about all these other guards that are candidates for that spot. But then you're like, well, um, that also translates into like five terrible shots every game 
that result in zero points or fast breaks the other way or whatever. So it's like he, so he's he's doing or the, act, the three pointer damage. at the worst the three pointer at the worst possible time in the game when you have momentum. But I just like like there are whole there's four minute spans where like oh Drew Holiday was on the floor. Oh, that was cool. I didn't really notice that. Like w- with Russ, it's like you got to deal with him every single time, and it's 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 scary. Like I think he's pro- he's well, he's going to make the All Star team anyway. The coaches will name him. Uh, but if you're going 12 deep in the West, it's actually kind of a shaky case. But I'm leaning towards that he should be on it. I forgot to ask you my other question. Can I ask you I'm, another question? I'm pro Westbrook this year. How about that? I well, think he's well. actually weirdly underrated now, except for the fact that he can't hit the side of a burn. Can I ask you my other question? Yeah. Um, what are we to do with this Jimmy Butler season? It's not going to. It's not going to deserve any awards from Bill Simmons. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> there are awards, but they don't unfortunately have them on the ballot that I would like to give for it. I um. So so um. By the by, some things he should be like he's in the East now. Is as you said. When you're getting down to the last two All Star spots in the East, it's not like a it's not like a huge bar. I just, like for me personally, I think if you, I I just I can't get I I think if you sabotage your team or part, I shouldn't say it, if you participate in the sabotaging of your team, he was not the sole saboteur in Minnesota, but if you participate in it and then get traded and there's like immediately drama at your next team, I just think you're kind of disqualified from All Star for that year. I just I think you're out. That's it. You're out for a year. Come back next year, and and we'll talk about it. You're preaching in the choir, Zach. Is that I, fair? I was gonna say, am I being unfair? Or no. Should, like he's just—he's no. not even like he's his name is crossed off for me. Also, I look at it, you know, like in the beginning of Goodwill Hunting when he gets arrested for the fight and he goes in front of the judge and the judge is just listing all of his violations over the years. To me, it's worse that Jimmy Butler has had this happen two other times in his career. Now it's happened two times this season, but. It's it's the repeated kind of chemistry issues that he's had now, where over I mean, I, and over again he's been mad, or this has happened, or he's handled this wrong or that wrong, and stuff has come out, and um, it just doesn't seem like he has been able to successfully indoctrinate himself within a basketball team. You know what? You know what? Uh, you know, you mentioned the what if of Paul George's leg, George's leg injury. Yeah. You know, it's another what if. When we're talking about Jimmy Butler's career, what if? What if the Bulls had had a leadership council when Jimmy was there? Do you think it would have changed his career? If he had been maybe put on the leadership council at a young age, do you think he maybe would, would behave differently with a little more maturity? The lead, the, the, it's a real missed opportunity. I think it would have played out like... Uh, <laughs> I think it would have played out like the government shutdown right now, where the Bulls would have just would have not played. the the uh, The ushers in the stadium wouldn't have been paid. It just would have been a complete disaster. Okay, so you're with me. I, I'm just I just think you kind of punt All Star for a year like that. You just don't get to be on it. So, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this with the Butler thing. We've had these trades over the last four or five years that felt like these big, huge, awesome trades, and the one. The one that we thought was the most lopsided turned out to be one of the most fair, awesome trades of the past 30 years. Paul George for Old Depot and Sabonis. Really one of the Hall of Fame trades. Unbelievable had. trade. Yeah. Awesome trade. Both of those guys are on my trade value list. I think Paul George is going to be like in the top 10 by the time I do this next one. Uh, Old Depot's a franchise guy. That trade just couldn't have worked out any better. 
And then you have these other trades that we thought were going to be this mammoth, these mammoth franchise changing trades, Butler and, the, and going to Minnesota, everything the Bulls got back. I like Laurie marketing, but you know, that that's certainly, we're not going to be telling our grandkids about that trade. And, uh, what was the, 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 uh, there's one other one that was like that. What was the other big, oh, the Kyrie trade where if Kyrie goes to the Knicks in six months, um, and then all we really have to show for that trade is Colin Sexton and nobody made the finals and that it's just bizarre, right? Well, the Dwight trade is the ultimate example of like somehow uh, it was a four-team trade that all four teams lost. I think Orlando kind of won it. I, I'm giving Orlando, Maybe. I'm giving Rob Hennigan his only W of the entire Orlando Magic run for him. I think he won it, right? I know. What, what did they get? Vucevic, a follow. Well, at Another least he got Vooch. Vooch might make traded. the all-star team. Yeah, Vooch is good. And the other one that's fun for me, everybody's going to grow, but the Harden trade, it is kind of cool that Adams turned out to be good. He's really good. That trade really sh- is is still one of the worst trades of all time, but at least Adams is, you know, a borderline all-star and somebody you could, if he's your third best player, you could actually have a chance to win the title. So that wasn't bad. But it was bad. <laughs> Between that and the Goodwill Hunting reference, you're on a you're on a roll right now. I have one more thing for you. It's going to make you really happy. Okay. I was really mean to the Nets the, earlier this year because they kept blowing games near the end well, of the game. Well, by by the way, they better hope they don't look back on some of those. They didn't just blow games. I mean, those were two or three of the absolute worst. Well, th- I think there was more like seven. Well, whatever, but there were two or three like in New Orleans and another the, the Jimmy Butler buzzer. There were ones where like you had to try hard it, 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 to, to blow those games. And I was mean about, you know, Sean Marks gets a lot of uh, gets a lot of love. And I do think we're in a world now where a lot of the people that write about cover basketball talk about it like they they know some of these people. There's the Nets had a lot of friends in the media, shall we say. But you look at the stuff that they've done. The Alan Crabb thing was reprehensible and was dumb at the time. And I didn't understand it because they were basically throwing Portland this $50 million luxury tax balloon. But other than that, like the Russell trade, that's about as good as you're going to do with a trade like that. Right? Um, the, some of the picks that they made that weren't even in the lottery turned out to be really good trades. They plucked Dinwiddie, who they didn't even draft. The Pistons had him. I did that draft. That was one of my favorite second round picks because he was coming off a knee injury. He would have been a lottery pick. But they've done a nice job. And then this, I, I still don't understand how they got this Karooks, whatever the hell his name is. I love that guy. Uh, what's the correct pronunciation, Zach? I believe it's Kuroots. Kuroots. But um, this was somebody that would have been a lottery pick, ended up going to Barcelona, signed with the B team instead of the A team. They buried him. And now the Nets kind of stole him. But uh, Jared Allen, like it, it, they kind of, it, it is kind of a success story. I have to apologize. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I think they did a nice job. The question before the season, like there was no question Dinwiddie. There are like Joe Harris, great pick. Joe Harris, another good one. Levert was clearly going to be a good player if he stays healthy, which I guess just still has to be an if. Uh, Allen was clearly after last year going to be a good player. The question going into the season was, do they get through this season and feel good about point guard? And if they do, because I agree with you, the crab thing is, is a clear like black mark disaster. Shouldn't have, they shouldn't have done it. They've, can you imagine right now if they had this team 
plus enough cap space to be a predator at the trade deadline oh and God. try and get another pick. I mean, that's the that's the that's the forfeited opportunity. Even the Carroll trade is like turned out pretty okay for them. They got a pick. It's not gonna be a good pick, but um but uh the question before the season was if they get through this season, if they feel bad about point guard, then I still think they're they're pretty close to square one. And they're gonna get through this season, I think, feeling pretty good about point guard and with a fascinating negotiation with D'Angelo Russell. Um because they've already signed Dinwiddie, obviously, who's I think starter caliber good, not top ten starter, but starter caliber good. Um, and Russell's, Russell, Russell's a tough one. He he might be somebody who should be paid by the year. Yeah, it's it's going to be a really interesting negotiation because he's like I said, he's turned a corner. I don't think he's turned the corner. Um, he 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 is make he makes a lot of difficult shots, and you just wonder is there a slump coming? Defensively, he's still kind of a train wreck. Um, but but he's he's made a lot of progress enough that you could feel good about him at the right salary. Um, and yeah, I, I think they've done uh, other than crab. Like I, I think they've done an outstanding job. Let's end with this. What franchise out of the 30, do you feel the worst for, for their fans? Whew. Well, so the, we can't say the Sonics because they're not one of the 30, but the answer would be the Sonics. <laughs> no, no, they're, they're uh, again, that's going to change. And I think in four years they have a team. Okay. The, the worst who do you feel the worst for? What fan base? You can't say Cleveland because they got No, they one. won a title. They don't they got one. Five-year grace period. Okay. And, and they're getting Zion because they have to win the lottery every couple of years by the rule of the week. I am going to say, boy, you're going to, I'm not going to make any friends. Do I, it. I, let's, I, let's not make friends. I think Charlotte. Charlotte. With, with Memphis maybe knocking on the door if the next 12 months goes in a bad direction. Yeah, but Memphis at least has Jared Jackson. That's true. I forgot about that. I would. I, I. I mean, Charlotte and Detroit are 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 up there. You would tip. You. You. Well, no, the Knicks have Porzingis and some hope. I mean, the Wizards have a couple good players. I mean, who else is a candidate? Who do you? What's your answer? Candidates would be. I think Charlotte is my answer. I think in the West, you could make a case that everybody's in okay shape. Very, you know, even like Sacramento, who's been the league punching bag for really since 04. But that is one of the feel-good situations we have. So it's got to be East Conference. Charlotte was on my list. Um, I think Orlando's on the list. I think Detroit's on the list. Yeah, Orlando's up there. And uh, and weirdly, the Wizards. Those would be my four. I think the Wizards fans are just like fatigued. It's just like it's just like a lot of it's just a, it's it's like all this drama to not be very good. It's just like I'm like even the I'm th- tired of it. The thing with the Wiz that I think is frustrating for their fans is they just over and over again end up in these salary situations where you just it's like four years from now we're we're free, right? So now they're in it again. It's like wow, four years from now John Wall's contract expires. Didn't we just go this through this with Gilbert Arenas and? Uh, Antoine Jameson and it's just a recurring theme with them um, so I don't know I, I I think you're right on Charlotte though because Kemba's probably going to leave well, see, or even worse yeah. even worse he stays but gets a max even though he's not a top I don't know He's we have no proof he could be the best guy in even a playoff team um, and then other than that it's just salary cap crap and an and owner that doesn't really seem like he has his eye on the ball so, Kemba's exciting. I like Bridges. Monk has some potential, although he just can never escape the doghouse for more than three or four games at a time. 
I just think Detroit, it's just it's just so bad that Stanley Johnson has busted out. Kennard was a DNP for a while. Like they've just missed on all those wings. Yeah. And, and Reggie Ladder, lottery pick. And nobody wants Reggie Jackson. And it's just like you got Blake, Andre's whatever, and just all those supplementary pieces. Like Bruce Brown is starting because the other right. guys you picked in the lottery just haven't worked out to that degree. Oof. Plus, that was another team that turned down the Boston Justice Winslow trade offer. I don't you even think they considered it. You know who's getting really good, by the way? Justice Winslow. That's right. It all circles around. All right, Zach Lowe, you going to All-Star? I am, uh, for the first time in my NBA writing career, not going to All-Star. Wow. Yeah. Remember when we used to send you there at Grantland to meet sources? and It's great. Network. Now you're networked out. You have enough sources. Well, it's just it's sort of like a one time it's a one time blip where for some personal reasons I'm going to do it. Um, but it's also the trade deadline become, being before All Star has really changed the networking aspect of it. Where like a lot of the GMs won't come. Like a lot like many fewer front office people come because there's no business to be done or minimal business to be done. It's just not it's not quite the same from that perspective anymore. Yeah. Do you think by the time this trade, this uh, podcast goes up, there's going to have been a trade with Kemba Walker or something weird? That Dennis Smith Jr. something? I hope not. I really but hope today, not. I today hate when is that January 15th, which means that um, every free agent signed this summer is now trade eligible, other than the ones that have the the weird one year. Ooh, you know what I call that, Zach? Rights. Trade machine Christmas. Yeah, there you go. It's a, the trade machine. They should have like a switch where you can just. Turn everything off and just make whatever trades you want without those stupid restrictions. Agreed. Because I like to look in the future and know what my team can do ahead of time. Do the Agreed. Lakers have the same team three weeks from now? Uh, I will say no, but I I would I don't know that it's going to be a major move. They'll do. I, I think they are going to do something. If I was a GM, I would be trying to steal Josh Hart from them. I want to see him on a different team. That's. I'm like going to leave Hart. you with that thought. You take that okay. to your sleep tonight, Zach Lowe. Read you on ESPN.com, listen to you on the Low Post podcast, and uh, the best pronunciation of Croatian last names ever in the history of NBA media. Congratulations on that. That's a big honor. Thank you very much, sir. All right. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thanks to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Thanks to the New York Times crossword. If you're looking for a smart way to unwind, play the New York Times mini crossword. A fun, relaxing way to stay sharp. Enjoy a quick battle wits with yourself or challenge a friend. In about two minutes, you'll experience the satisfaction of solving the mini puzzle is wordplay every day. Download the New York Times crossword app at newyorktimes.com slash mini. And don't forget about the rewatchables this week. Old school. We banged it out. Coming back on Thursday, we're going to do football picks and talk to um, somebody I've always wanted to have on this podcast. He's in the pop culture circles. I'll leave you with that. Until then.